I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, tomorrow, I'm going to fix this fucking desk. Does anybody want to take a guess as to whether or not the desk is fixed? Here's a hint. It isn't. But also the wife said she didn't want me to fix it. I think she's afraid that it'll be too nice. In the meantime... I have Jimmy did a little better, so it's more solid. I'm a procrastinator, a world-class procrastinator. And that used to be fine. That used to be fine when I was pretty self-centered. But these days... I realize that I'm leading people and I have to set a good example. I kind of have to finish things that I start. I got to show that I care enough about what I'm doing that I'll do it all the way. I don't know what it is. A fear of commitment? Perhaps. Perhaps it's me not willing to say, yeah, it's done. Because then, if it isn't done correctly, someone will say, hey, uh, you missed a spot. And then, I'm going to be so hard on myself, right? And I can't bear it. I got to find someone to blame when that happens. Well, why didn't you tell me that's what you wanted? becomes the customer's fault. I'm not overly proud of those behaviors. I'm just recognizing that they exist. You know, once you become aware of this stuff, you can fix it. That's a key part of grace. Understanding what you've done wrong. If you don't believe you've done anything wrong, how could you forgive yourself for it and move on? And meanwhile, if it's just a perspective change, and you did in fact injure somebody, and you're somehow objectively wrong then, right? Then um, you should definitely admit you're wrong and apologize. You should atone for that. But you can't if you're pointing the finger at something else. So get honest, get real. I have to divide my time between all of these different projects that I have started going to work, 
daily and then enjoying various members of my friends and family. And that isn't simple. It's not simple. I don't care what anyone says because you're not me. If you were, you would understand exactly what I'm talking about. You're you, and either you know it's not simple, or it is simple for you, and you got it all figured out. And in that case, you know, congratulations, because it's nice, I'm sure. I yearn for a simpler way. But I think it's just a matter of trying, and so I, I, am, uh, I am willing to learn. I'm willing to learn. I think I'm going to start with keeping a calendar, and that's challenging. Did you guys know that I used to have recurring nightmares about failing my classes over and over and over again because I would miss the first day? And there was a rule that if you miss the first day and were marked absent, that you'd get an F and be dropped from the class. And in this nightmare, I would get my schedule and I would wade through a sea of students trying to find my room. There were never any numbers above the doors. I had to go into every room one at a time. Excuse me. Hello. Which class is this? Nope, that's not the one. Valuable seconds wasted. I would rush out of the room, wade through a sea of people again to the next open door. So many feet down the hall. Hello. Excuse me, what class is this? Again, not the right one. The bell's going to ring any minute now. I still don't have a clue where my class is. I had these dreams over and over and over again every night. They were terrifying. Such anxiety. This was high school. For years. I was there for three years. But that was not all. Because I went on to junior college after that. It's all I could afford. I couldn't even afford that. I couldn't afford to pay attention. I had a job, full-time. The first quarter, I had this logic and critical thinking professor, and he says, the biggest mistake you can make when going to college is to work at the same time, because eventually you'll be forced to choose between your job, earning that dollar, and getting your classwork done. I did fall behind. And also, I didn't have much of a social life, so I was choosing to do that instead of classwork. The internet was pretty new, so I was hanging out on the internet a lot in chat rooms. Great way to get catfished. <laughs> so, I ended up dropping out of classes because I had to choose work instead.
I failed them, but still owed the money. Good thing it was just a junior college. Good thing it was only $800. So I never graduated, right? Never got a degree. Wasted all the money and time there. Ended up owing something like four grand for five five semesters of school that were ultimately like glorified high school classes. Felt like just just like being in high school. Felt the same. And I'd have those same fucking nightmares. Mm. Well, call me crazy, but I don't want to do that to my kids. I don't want my kids having recurring nightmares about having to make class on time. I probably already did that to my first two kids because they went all the way through public school. So the last three, I don't want to do that to them. But then what do I do? So here I am, this this leader of this small tribe, right? You call it what you want. You know, I've gotten into arguments with people before that said uh, a tribe or a family doesn't count as a society. They said that doesn't count. I said, oh, what's the magic number? What's the magic number for a society? They said, well, there isn't one, but it has to be self-sustaining. I'm assuming they mean genetically. You got to get outside of your own family for your family to uh, remain genetically viable and support the human race, right? So again, we're talking about the greater good and I ignore all that shit. So I call it a tribe. The Lighthearts are a tribe. I'm the leader. I'm one of the leaders. It's a team effort and we're all in it together for the long haul. Someday, someone's gonna be putting me into the ground. I hope to earn a, a proper burial or cremation ceremony, something like that. So I don't wanna do that to my kids. And there's no, there's no pattern for doing it on your own. Not really. In fact, people think that's that's the weakness in the whole concept. That there's no pattern. There's nothing to follow. There's no program. There's no guarantee. I have news for you. There's no guarantee anyway. What happens if a teacher hates your kid and just decides not to teach them long division and they never make the team and they're not popular in school? What if they decide What if they decide they want to live with their girlfriend or boyfriend instead of going to college? What if they get pregnant? at 16 years old. There's a variety of things that can happen. You're not going to be able to control your kids. The best thing you can do is provide them an atmosphere they want to be in. If you're pushing them off onto the school all day long and you're forcing them to fit in there, well, there's a good possibility they might just do that. And they'd rather be there than at home, where it seems like nobody really wants them around. Shut up and do your homework. Go clean your damn room. Be quiet, I'm on the phone. You're late for the bus. 
Stay after school. Make up the time. Summer school. Graduate on time. I was watching a show last night. It's it's a pretty funny show. But this woman who's, you know, she comes from a pampered lifestyle. They lost all their money. And she wants to go to college to better herself, but she has to prove that she went to high school. She never finished high school. So she wants to go finish her diploma. She's in this small town. She comes from a big, big city, lifestyle, wealthy. She goes back to high school. She enrolls. She finds out that she has to get volunteer credits before she can graduate. So she goes to this place she's been working and she says, hey, can you go ahead and fill out this form? And he says, well, I can't because you work here. She says, well, yeah, I know. And he says, and she says, I volunteer to work here. And he says, no, you got to I think the idea is you're supposed to give back to the community. And it's little things like that that really undermine the truth of words. These children are in high schools that are requiring them to volunteer to serve their communities, to give back to the greater good, or they don't get the magic piece of paper that will unlock their very futures. What kind of a message are we sending the youth? When they have to have a three ring binder with their face, photo, name, a capstone paper about who they are and what they've learned in the last 12 years. And so many credits of voluntary give back time. What are we telling them? The lucky ones who are suited for the psychotic, competitive environment of the business world. The Enneagram 3s, the overachievers, I don't know much about Enneagram, I'm, I'm writing my wife's coattails here, but let's pretend I know stuff. People who are suited to that environment, they're gonna do well, but they're gonna do well in any environment because that's what they do. They do well, they, they get after it. When you compare themselves to other people, they see patterns, they go after them. I'm not that guy. So I thought outside the box, got myself into some trouble, made other stuff work. But there's plenty of other kids who are basically being programmed to swallow that social contract whole. And I urge you to have a discussion with your own children or maybe with yourself and your inner child first. I know you had to go through high school. I know you did just fine with your life. That doesn't mean it's all right to push that shit back down on your kids and things are different today than they were when you were a child. They're getting worse. They're sitting at desks with plastic masks on their faces. Wake the fuck up. If you still have your kids in school, please. That doesn't, I don't mean that as judgmental as it sounds. We are very, we're very fortunate 
to be where we are doing what we are doing. And it is not as easy for some of you. So what you have to do is after you have your kids put the time in, because you can't hide from the state and you can't hide from child protective services. You can't hide from fucking Karen who works on the PTA or the teachers union. Since you can't hide from those fuckers, talk to your kid when they get off of school, when they turn the computer monitor off or shut off the tablet and it's time for them to go home for the day. Talk to them about how they have to deflate the state. And while that sounds like a great noble cause involving many, many people, it really is an arrows in kind of an effort. I'm just going to sit here while this phone rings while my homie Michael Reeder tries to call on a Sunday. I can't believe I didn't make sure there were no phones in here. I love you, Mike. I love what you're doing with your daughter. She's a powerful young lady. I'm inspired, bro. Mark, I see you, man. Your kids, they're wild, they're free, they're awesome, they've got great spirit. There's so many more of you that I hope to meet someday. In the meantime, keep those kids really close. Bring them into your heart. Spend all the moments. They're what you're doing it for, you know. They're the whole shebang. Your freedom's great. But when you're dead, they have to continue this bullshit without you. So prepare them. Talk to them about doing it for themselves. We have to fight this appeal to authority. And it's hard. We live in a culture of, of appeals to authority. There's a hierarchy built into every facet of our lives. And it's trained to us in school. And it's supported to us in our home by our parents and our siblings. The state depends. It must have that top-down pressure. There must be a penalty for disobedience. The whole idea is that you obey. Well, if that's a convincing argument at the enlisted level, where they're not making very much money and yet are required to stand ridiculously long hours awake on watch. If that's a frightening thought at that level, then how much so at the higher levels where those men and women of the military make six figures a year. Plus all those benefits like a snappy uniform and a special place to park. Okay?
How much more so? Because they have to lose all of that and everything else if they don't play along. So they will issue the command. Because after all, they're not the ones that have to carry it out now, are they? Listen to me talk. <laughs> I'm sitting. I'm I'm sitting in a climate controlled home. I mean, it's barely climate controlled, but it's climate controlled. I got f four squares and a roof. I get to shit on a toilet and use two ply toilet paper. I'm stealing Netflix shows in the other room. I'm living the high life. I'm a first worlder, baby. Only the best. <laughs> My people are soft. Thanks, Jesse, but it's true. <laughs> Listen, I may not have the experience. But I want you to consider that appeal to authority in itself. Just because a man says brave things doesn't mean he'll do them. But what if he does? A man who doesn't say the things at all, who doesn't think of them, is never going to do them. Or if he does, it'll be instinctual, right? But it won't be well thought out. It'll be desperate. I, on the other hand, am considering it. And I think I do understand my shortcomings. And I am willing to work through those and improve. The appeal to authority in this country means that there's always an enemy on the horizon and there's always a savior at your back, but you are always caught in the middle. I'm tired of fighting. Some days. And I don't want to go into the grocery store not wearing a mask and look over my shoulder every five seconds wondering who's paying too close of attention to what I'm doing, you know? Is anyone muttering underneath their breath? Am I going to get a shopping cart blocking my way? Am I going to have to deal with an elderly person who watches a little bit too much MSNBC? I don't know. Not today, Satan. Sometimes I turn around, just don't go into the store because I don't want to go in without my mask and I don't want to go in with my mask. My mask. It's fucking repulsive. I do not consent. Shame on you. If you do want people to be forced to wear masks, shame on you. You're a sociopath. 
I'm sorry and I'm not sorry. Hang up now. The show's not for you. The show is for my fellow Lighthearts. Not just those living under my roof or who share my last name, but anyone anywhere who wants to reclaim some of their life. When you look around you, there's inequality everywhere. The narrator says it's a big, scary, dark world out there. I say, tell the narrator you're writing your own story. And it has a happy ending. Speaking of happy endings, a friend of mine rearranged the beat that I intro and outro this podcast with. You can follow him on Twitter, and his handle will be available in the show notes at anchor.fm slash karmageddon5 or the details section on whichever podcatcher you use. While you're there, be sure to check out the many platforms at which you can find Lighthearts in a Dark World, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, and coming soon to both YouTube and BitChute, and anywhere else featuring the hashtag LightheartedLiving. Until we meet again, remember that I've been hiding stuff after the outro. equal for all people at all times we do the best we can around here but sometimes resources are limited you know like if you only have one uh you only have one playstation remote controller it doesn't charge very well either so if you got something like two hours of battery life and then you got to charge it for four hours well you got to work together as a team or one of you is getting getting shafted of course we're usually kinder about the way we phrase all these things they get the idea. So nowadays, rather than yell at each other about that's not fair or it's my turn, they have to work together to figure it out between the two of them or they don't get to do it. In this way, they get to solve the problem at their level, which means they don't have to appeal to authority, i.e. me. And as long as they are using approved methods, you know, like they're only they're still asking permission to play, etc. Uh, as long as they're portioning their time properly, they can do it however they want. And then the only other thing we do that is somewhat useful in this specific situation, I'm sorry to digress so much, is uh, whenever it comes down to who gets to play first. The first person who gets to play plays for a shorter amount of time. So if Link wants to play first, then he gets to play for 30 minutes. And if Dorothy waits and plays second, then she gets to play for an hour, etc., or 45 minutes, whatever it is. You can kind of dial it up and down from there. And this teaches them the importance of time preference in a way, right? That's a good free market concept that needs to be taught to kids. If sometimes if you wait longer, you get a little more bang for your buck. Truth. <laughs> <laughs>